Want to get the edge with your Premier League betting predictions? Pinnacle have teamed up with InfoGoal to delve deeper into the data for all the Premier League matches each game week. You combine betting market data with InfoGoal's performance data to try and find Pinnacle customers' value in the odds. This is EPL Insights. We're back. It's been a while. Welcome to EPL Insights with data supported by InfoGoal. Gareth Wheeler alongside Jake Osgathorpe. It's been about a month since we last got together. There hasn't been much football to speak of with all the postponements and delays in the Premier League calendar. Jake was away anyways. Thanks again to Andrew Beasley for stepping up and stepping in while you were gone. But really, we only talked about one match day full of games. So you really didn't miss much after all, Jake. How are you? It's been a while. Yeah, I'm very good. I picked a good time to go away, didn't I? Um, in terms of the, the lack of football. Um, yeah, very good, refreshed, um, ready to get back into things. And, you know, the, the positive, obviously, we've got a World Cup to look forward to, haven't we? But we've now got at least a couple of months of just pure straight football. We've not got any other interruptions, um, but there is a hell of a lot of football. Champions League, Premier League, pretty much back to back relentlessly. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be an interesting build up to the World Cup. But I'm really looking forward to it. So September was a month for you to spend time with your family, get the chores done ahead of autumn. But like now we're digging into it. Now we're at the business end, at least heading in to the to the World Cup. Uh, it, it's kind of crazy. Some of these sides, uh, Brighton Palace, Chelsea, Liverpool, United and Leeds haven't played a Premier League fixture since the weekend of September 3rd, September 4th. <laughs> the Queen's passing, heading into the international window. Uh, when it comes to this weekend in the Premier League, Jake, do you just trust your numbers? Um, because there are various that that could lead to a little bit of unpredictability this weekend. Absolutely, yeah. There's a lot of unpredictability. The international break brings with it usually um, a few injuries, key injuries potentially to teams. Um, and yeah, the, I think the the teams you mentioned there, particularly the likes of Manchester United, the the kind of break has to be seen as a positive because it gives it's given Eric Ten Hag even more time with his team to implement his his plans and get his messages across. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I generally trust the numbers anyway when it comes to um, sort of predicting football matches, but especially after the international break off, such a layoff. Um, yeah, it, at this time of the season as well, when you've got, a, you know, it's still a small sample, but it's a relatively decent sample to work from. Um, then we, we kind of have a decent idea of what teams are looking like, which does bring with it some sort of confidence um, heading into the weekend. Uh, digging a little bit deeper into those numbers, just 18 Premier League games were played in the month of September. Uh, Chelsea and Liverpool did play in the Champions League. United did play twice in the Europa League as well since their last Premier League game. Uh, and you have to remember that September 3rd, September 4th weekend in the Premier League, it was coming off after the transfer window closed. So there, there was still movement, new players coming in as well, and new managers for two of those aforementioned sides as well. A new manager with Roberto De Zerbe in Brighton and Graham Plutter making the move from Brighton to Chelsea. So that adds a, even more intrigue ahead of this weekend, Jake. And there's some big games on the docket as well. Oh, yeah, we've got some uh, some good football to look forward to, I think. Um, I'm, I'm glad they've split it into two separate days as well. So Saturday, yeah. we've got the North London Derby. Sunday, we've got the Manchester Derby. Usually they like to stack it and make it Derby Day, don't they? But yeah, we get to wake up on both days and, and be really excited for some big Derby matches. And then you get to wait till Monday, 19th versus 20th <laughs> in the, in the table as well. In all seriousness, that could be an absolute cracker as well, the way those two have been defending. 
by the way, uh, sneak peek, this is my bet of the week. Uh, it's coming in the Monday night fixture, okay? Uh, any injuries, any happenings over the international break that caught your eye, Jake? Um, I'll, I'll be brutally honest with you, Gareth. I've been on holiday. I've not been paying too much attention to the international break whatsoever. I'm still catching up on the uh, on the on the ongoings there. And um, I did get back in time to watch England sort of turn around that game against Germany and then throw it back away. But other than that, I've not really been paying too much attention um, from an international standpoint. But obviously, the the managerial changes that happened during the international break are really interesting. Big fan of Graham Potter um, as. People who listen to this podcast will know. Um, I think he'll be he'll do really really well at Chelsea. Um, the plays that he's got there are kind of already suited to the system he likes to play. Uh, and then even more interesting is the Italian coach Deserbi taking over at Brighton. Who mm. you know he's 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 got a very good squad um, that perhaps doesn't look like a good squad on paper, but we know that usually the players play above themselves and, and are more great than the sum of the parts. Um, he takes over Brighton, obviously in a very lofty position right now. They've actually sat, collected the third most expected points in the league so far this season under Graham Potter. So he takes over a team in a really good position. His style is kind of similar to Potter's, but a little bit more gung-ho. Um, Potter's was a bit more controlled in the sense that usually Brighton were one of the teams that had a, um, a better defensive process of all the teams in the Premier League. Deserby will be the opposite. He'll be playing open, expansive football and, and it will lead to quite a few high-scoring matches. You only have to watch highlights of his Sassuolo team to realise why that is. They're, they're so spread out all over the pitch. They're looking to break lines really quickly. But if you get it wrong, then there's not too many players between the person with the ball and the goal. So, um, yeah, it be interesting to see what happens at Brighton. But I, I think Potter will be a success at Chelsea. Uh, I was on comms for the Canada games uh, on one soccer in Canada, uh, a 2-0 victory over Qatar, a 2-0 loss to Uruguay. Um, a couple things stood out to me, and we have plenty of World Cup content coming your way in the coming weeks and uh, months. We're less than two months away from kickoff uh, of the World Cup. Um but Qatar looks like dog's breakfast. I saw them and watched them in the, in, in the gold cup just a, a, a short period ago. They just don't look like the same team that was really dangerous in attack. Just they, they've come apart at the seam. So that may have implications for group a Canada is in a group with Belgium, Croatia, and Morocco. That's a very competitive group, but Canada is out there playing, you know, trying to play toe to toe with some of the big boys. And I think that's the way forward for that group. So I've already started to look ahead to the total. Um, for their games, not necessarily the results, because this Canada team can can score goals. I think that they can concede goals as well. So uh, something to keep an eye on as we move forward as well. But for today's episode, let's keep our attention on the Premier League. Uh, some odds movements when it comes to the top four. Back on August 16th, which seems like a long time ago, but there hasn't been too much football played since that time, Jake. United was plus 700 to finish in the top four. Now... At plus 150, I think I said it on one of these pods. If you're going to get on the United train, do it then, not now. Uh, Spurs was minus 200. Now they're minus 190. And Arsenal was minus 150. Now minus 210. This is top four, considering that City and Liverpool are going to be very much part of that equation. Um, And Chelsea, with a new manager, the expectations that they finish in the top four. Is there any value to, to any top four play at present time? Uh, I'd have to say probably not. Um, yeah, I, it's it's really is fascinating this battle because obviously pre pre season, um, I think we maybe had a slight disagreement. My top four was was City, Liverpool, um, Chelsea, Spurs. I think was, was yours the same, or did you have United in there? Uh, I believe I had United as fourth, but yeah. I I. I 
I, I had Spurs out of the top four. Yeah. Yeah. So Spurs are one of my most confident picks of the season in terms of top four. And that's still looking good. Arsenal are the ones that have really surprised me. They've they've looked really good. Um, granted, they've only played one of the fellow big six teams so far and they've lost that game. So it'd be interesting to see how they get on in the North London Derby this weekend. That's another of their bigger games of the season so far. Um but yeah, the the you know the, the onus is really on Liverpool now to step up. They've had a poor start, a sluggish start, and um, yeah, I, I'm not hundred percent sold on on United. I think that odds shortening uh, is a li- it's gone a little bit too short now. What did you say it was plus one fifty? I think that's a little bit on the short side, um, purely because yeah. you know while they, they've they've got some good results, they've obviously won four in a row, but. You know, they sit fifth in the table. They sit 13th based on expected points. So that suggests to me that some of the results have been very fortunate. I mean, you have to look at the XG totals for the games against Liverpool and, and Arsenal where, you know, they, they played really well in spells, but they, they didn't really blow them away in terms of out-creating them by a, a serious uh, amount. Same with Southampton, that narrow win, and the same with Leicester. So they've had a little bit of fortune when it comes to winning um, tight games, uh, and that's something that we won't see persist. So that they have to improve if they are to challenge for it top four and whatever happens. and Yeah, um, they're, they're, they're not a complete article, not a finished article, I don't think. Anthony coming in late, Ronaldo coming into camp late and the distraction around that, Martial out. I'll, I'll tell you this, Christian Eriksen, both for club and country, looks an absolute player right now. He looks like he's taking his game to another level and it seems like, you know, we're seeing the old Rafael Varane at the back as well who can be an absolute dominant centre-back. Didn't see it last year. So I'm intrigued about what United can be that's why I jump on that play in mid-August plus 700 yeah, yeah, for the top big four back then, yeah. but, but plus 150 I completely agree with you just because we, we're not sure where they're going to end up yeah I think I think at the moment what, what you have to say is that the ceiling is quite high for this Man United team which is something we probably wouldn't have said at the yeah. start of the season um, you know the, the, like you mentioned there they brought in Anthony who solves the problem at right wing. He brought in Casemiro, who is still yet to be integrated fully, who's going to make that midfield or just, you know, give it a bit of backbone in there. Um, so yeah, the, the ceiling is is, is high. Um, if it all clicks together, then they absolutely could make a run for the top four. And, and you know, if Liverpool continue to stutter um, in their own sort of mini transition post Mane uh, and the struggling with injuries, etc., then there's a space available. And, and likewise with Chelsea, you know, they... As I've said, I'm quite confident Potter will get that turned around. Um, he's a manager whose teams are very strong defensively. They create loads of chances. And then the only issue he had at Brighton was they didn't have the quality in forward areas to convert those chances, where mm. at Chelsea, you'd think that he now has that. So that could be a marriage. Maybe. Um, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> it, maybe, yeah. It could, it could be a, a match made in heaven, um, that that particular um, marriage. But yeah, there's definitely a, a spot available at the moment. And yeah, I, I'm still not 100% sold on, on Arsenal just yet. I know that they've dealt with the, the lesser clubs very well, very impressively, um, but it wouldn't take too many injuries to key players, would it, to see their, their season fall apart. You know, Thomas Partey being out would be huge. Jesus being out would be huge. Odegaard would be huge. Whereas you think everyone else, if Spurs, you know, if Kane goes down, then, you know, you've got Richarlison, Kulusevski and Son as a front free still, which I know it's not as good without Kane, but it's still going to be good enough to beat quite a few teams. So, um, yeah, there's still a lot to play for. The only the only real lock at this moment in time, in my mind, is Manchester City. Surprise, surprise. Um, but I'm still really confident that Spurs will also finish in the top four. It's it's a proper transition into this weekend's games. Man City, by the way, on Pinnacle, where you can find the best odds when it comes to the Premier League. Minus 340 to go on and win the title. Our producer, Charlie, asking, 
Arsenal's top of the table right now. Impressive. They smashed Brentford away last time. 3-0, plus 1,000 to go on and win the league. You're not a believer. At least no. you said, I, I, I'm not very much of a believer as well, but that's an intriguing number for a team that through seven games has done so well thus far. Listen, like, I'm not taking any anything away from them. They've been they've been excellent. The way in which they've, they've gone about the business from the very first game, they look very assured at Crystal Palace, ground out result there. Hammered Leicester, beat Bournemouth, beat Fulham, beat Villa, beat Brentford. But just listen to the teams I've, I've named there. Not one of them finished in the top half last season. Um, is that the only the only thing that did was was Man United, and they lost. So they've had. We we knew this going into the season. Uh, we ran the the strength of schedule metric at Infogol, and Arsenal had one of the easiest starts of the campaign based on uh, the teams that they were set to face. It gets tougher now. Obviously, they've got Spurs uh, this weekend. Uh, Liverpool next weekend, then you've got Leeds, then you've got Man City. So it, it's a defining period of four games, really. Um, and it, <laughs> unfortunately, in between all that, they've got two Europa League games yeah. as well. To That's balance, what I was so. going to say. You're, you're ignoring Bodo Glimt. So. Yeah, big side. Bodo <laughs> and Glimt. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, they, they've got in the space of what is it, it, 18 days, they play six times. Six, one, two, three, four, five, six times. Yeah. Uh, and Three of those are against two teams that finished in the top four last season. So that, you know, the top the top of the table for now, come back to me at the end of that little mini run. And if they're still top of the table, I will be uh, a, bit of, a bit more of a believer. Well, let's transition into this weekend's games and let's start with the North London Derby. It's the first game on the menu this weekend, the early match on Saturday. You can find Arsenal as a favorite on Pinnacle at plus 106. This is a beat a competitive derby where neither side has lost a Premier League game at home against one another since 2014. Which sides in Arsenal's favor? They're top of the table. Spurs right now in third. Arsenal coming off that convincing away win 3-0 at Brentford. Spurs way back. It was a 6-2 victory over Leicester City where Son came on. All these question marks about Son. Came off the bench, scored a hat-trick in just 13 minutes. Uh, Head-to-head. You said, he'd, you said he'd come back, didn't you? You said he'd, I, uh, he'd got some unfinished business. It, it's, it was inevitable. I mean, yeah. come on. But like the way that it played out and the build up to the game, it was just simpatico. I was going to say, w- watching that in South Korea was something a bit special. Yeah. He, he's like a god over there. So as soon as he bent the first one in, it, it was pure chaos. Now he's posing topless in magazines. He's just <laughs> everywhere, that guy. Um, Head to head, Arsenal Spurs have gone over the two and a half goal total in five of their last seven games. Arsenal has had a clean sheet in their last 11 against Spurs. That's incredible. And Spurs have been the first to score in four of five. Arsenal overall have gone over the two and a half goal total in each and every one of their last seven games. Both teams have scored four of five and first to score six of eight. Spurs, though, have gone less than two and a half goals in five of their last seven games. It's also worth mentioning they got an important Champions League game on Tuesday against track Frankfurt as well. Uh, Tyranny is being cleared. He will play this weekend. Some questions at the time of taping about Party, Zinchenko, and Tommy Asu. Lloris and Davies both have knocks for Spurs as well. Like I said, Arsenal, the proverbial favorite here. Uh, what do you make of this one this weekend? Um, you know, there's a lot of momentum behind Spurs. They've caught the eye. They're a competitive group, but Arsenal, their form is exceptional as well. Should be a good one. Yeah, it should be a cracking game. And I think the 
the head-to-heads, recent head-to-heads anyway, would be really high scoring. Um, and that's kind of where I'm going for the, the betting angle because the way in which both teams set up and play is inducive for high scoring football. Um, and yeah, over 2.75 goals, minus 111 on Pinnacle at the moment. That's that's the bet for me. Um, it might be my best bet of the weekend. Wow. Just purely because the, the sort of, yeah, the, the way in which these set up. And I did a little bit of looking and you, you tend to think when Conte travels away to a fellow big six team that he keeps things tight. Not been the case at all since he joined Spurs. Only one of his games has gone under two and a half goals uh, out of five away to the big six. He's had a 3-2, 3-2, um, 2-2 and a 3-0. So, you know, they they go for it, um, which is really, really nice to see. And, and I guess part of that is through the, the the ability in the counter-attack, the way in which they're allowed to counter-attack. Um, and yeah, Arsenal will be playing as the aggressors. I very rarely oppose Arsenal when they're playing at home because they are so good. They've played at such a high level over the last 22 games. So since the start of last season, averaged 2.3 expected goals for per game and one expected goal against per game, which is really, really elite. That's It's not too far off the likes of, of Man City and Liverpool in terms of overall process when playing at home. But you can't oppose Spurs at the moment. Uh, I've been high on them ever since the start of the season and, and this Arsenal team, in my opinion, haven't really been fully tested yet. Um, and this is the big test now. This is the big one. It's a home game against your fellow rival, um, a team that many were picking to finish above you. A team that did finish above you last season. Um, show us what you can do, basically. Uh, and I think that they will be going out playing on the front foot and trying to create chances and uh, that will lead to a high scoring game because Spurs are more than capable of picking off on the break so goals all the way for me um, and I, I think these two are very evenly matched at this moment in time I, th- I just I just think that Spurs have got a little bit more quality in the final third yeah uh, it's one of those because the numbers that you present all back and support Arsenal in this game but my heart and, and kind of the eye test, what I've seen this season, it suggests to me that Spurs can be competitive here. I think they're better in attack in terms of personnel than Arsenal. The only place where Arsenal, I think, are a better side right now is at center back. Saliba and, and, and Gabriel have been great. That's why my initial lean, I had a small lean to Spurs win or draw at minus 115. Um, just based upon how competitive I think this game is. And if you go through the head-to-head in recent vintage, I know last season both sides came away with a home win, but there's been a lot of draws. These sides have played to a lot, like thrilling draws back and forth, one ones and 2 twos uh, across the board. So I had a small lean to Spurs, minus 115, but not enough to make a play. Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely on board with that as well. The, the Spurs have actually lost just three of 16 away from home since Conte took charge. So mm-hmm. they're very difficult to beat even on the travels. I think they've won eight of those as well. So um, a 50% strike rate went, went on the road, which is a good return really, especially when he, he took over what was a very mixed match squad, a calamitous bunch of players that had just looked really, really bad on the Nuno. So um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm happy to get on board with that. I, I just, for me, I just think that the, the goals angle is the safest bet in this, in this one, rather than taking a chance because we could get something similar to what happened last season where Spurs, they were 1-0 up early doors, Arsenal had a man sent off and, and Spurs won 3-0 and, you, you know, you got the goal covered as well as Spurs on side uh, or again on the other side, Arsenal pretty much covered the goal line themselves in the in the reverse fixture. So uh, it tends to be a very high scoring game and, and I, I just think following that same pattern is, is the way to go. Um, usually when there's derby games, it tends to be quite tight and cagey because there's a lot on the line, but 
recent North London derbies haven't been like that at all. You know, 3-0, 3-1 last season, um, 2-1 the season before, 2-1, 2-2 the season before that. You know, you've got 4-2 in there as well. So I think Overs has copped in six of the last nine head-to-heads, which, um, yeah, for me, that, that's that's the obvious play. And I definitely think attack, attack both attacking units are better um, than the defensive units at this current moment. I agree with that Arsenal's defence looking really solid, but when you've got the likes of Saka, Martinelli, Jesus, Odegaard, yeah. they're going to score goals wherever they play. Yeah, uh, especially it's at Spurs' uh, back line. The other thing that really really quickly, we learned when they played United, Arsenal are vulnerable in the counterattack, especially if Party isn't able to go. Elneny is out. Um, I do have some concerns there, and, and Spurs can deliver that sucker punch. They absolutely can with Kane and Son, Richarlison, Kulisevsky. Like they, 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 they have the players and the ability to play out quickly that I think they, that can cause Arsenal some problems. So... Uh, those are our thoughts for the North London Derby. Let's move on to another London Derby. It's Palace and Chelsea go that uh, that go this weekend. Finally, Graham Potter is going to manage Chelsea in a Premier League game. It seems like forever he made the move from Brighton to Chelsea, but this will be his first. He might have some good news as well as both Mendy and Angolo Conte are both back training for Chelsea. We'll see where they can go. They look scattered. They look a little bit all over the place, Chelsea, in their 1-1 draw at home against Red Bull Salzburg in um in in the Champions League Crystal Palace back-to-back draws 1-1 against Brentford uh goalless draw against Newcastle as well head-to-head Crystal Palace no clean sheets in their last 17 games what <laughs> against Chelsea Chelsea have 10 straight wins three clean sheets and being the first to score in every one of those games against Crystal Palace overall Palace hasn't won a game in their last three less than two and a half goals and five of seven Chelsea haven't had a clean sheet in seven, which is very un-Chelsea-like, but they've gone over the two and a half goal total in five of seven and both teams to score in four of five. Palace, I know that both of us, Jake, were high on them entering the season, but only Bournemouth, Forest, and Leicester, courtesy of InfoGoal, have a worse expected goal differential than Palace. That's it. Minus 5.7 thus far. Uh, where's your lean? Where's your head at uh, heading into this game? Yeah, I... I have a few concerns around Palace, um, but you know, I think if they were playing anyone other than Chelsea, I wouldn't be getting too concerned. But heading into this new season, one of the things you're right, we're massively high on Crystal Palace. I still think they'll finish the season really strongly. But one of the things I did highlight um, was the fact that their schedule was really difficult to start the campaign, like really difficult. So in the first four matches, they played uh, Arsenal, Liverpool, and Man City. And if you extend that to now what was going to be their seventh game, they've got Chelsea in there as well. So they've effectively played four of last season's top six in the first seven matches. Um, So the fact that their expected goal difference is is basically rubbish isn't a surprise to me, given the schedule that they face. Um, What is a bit of a concern is the the defensive process of late, which, you know, admittedly you're going to concede chances against Arsenal, Liverpool's and Man City's, but against Brentford at home to concede over two expected goals that's a alarm bells are starting to ring. And then to go to Newcastle and concede over four expected goals is a serious worry. Like any team that goes anywhere and concedes four expected goals when they've got 11 players on the pitch, that's a problem. That shows me there's, there's, there's some problem there. And, you know, Vieira will have had time to work on it over the, the international break, but there are alarm bells ringing. And like I said, if they weren't playing any any member of the top six or big six this weekend, I perhaps would overlook it a little bit. But the fact that there is such a um, a defensive vulnerability there and they are playing one of the better teams in the league, um, I can't really 
look anywhere else other than Chelsea to win the game at minus 116 is my bet in this one because as I've said before I'm a huge fan of of, of Potter he's he did get a game didn't he against uh, Salzburg as you mentioned in the Champions League he drew 1-1 but the XG totals were very one-sided 1.46 to just 0.19 so that suggests that they were incredibly unlucky to concede um, and draw that game and as I've mentioned before a strong defensive process is pretty much been the, the backbone of, of Brighton's success under Potter. And, and that he'll bring that to Chelsea, no doubt, set up in a similar manner. And, and the main question is in forward areas, can he get them ticking? Because that's the area that Tuchel struggled with for the last six, seven months of his of his tenure was to get uh, a tune out of his forward players. And ultimately, we, we, um, it, it went on to see Lukaku move on to Inter. Werner has obviously moved back to Leipzig. So they actually tried to solve the problem by changing personnel. Um yeah, I think Potter can get a tune out of this attacking team, uh, uh, the attacking unit at Chelsea. And, and if he can do that, then they're going to be very dangerous because he, he's a system manager whose systems create a lot of good chances on a regular basis. Um, so yeah, it, it, the future's bright for Chelsea, I think. If, if, if Potter can get across what he wants and if he gets the support that he wants, then he's basically going to make Chelsea a, a better version of Brighton. Because ultimately, they've got better individuals to to get his system playing at a better level. Um, so yeah, I, I think that this is a, a good good spot for Chelsea. Um, if you'd have told me that I'd be saying this preseason, I would have said, "Nah, you know, he's making it up." Um, because obviously, I'm high on Crystal Palace, high on them, particularly at home. Uh, to then completely pivot to the fact that Chelsea are going to go there and win. Um, yeah, I would. I probably wouldn't have believed you. But as the things have happened, six, seven games in, we've seen new manager. Crystal Palace's struggles then for me I just think the price on Chelsea wouldn't be a game just a bit too big uh, and it's worthwhile backing them and, and if, you, if you're not as confident then the other bet I, I like it pretty much the same price it's under two and a half goals at minus 115 um, as we as, you know as I've mentioned, defensively, Potter's sides are excellent. The issues they have are are generally in attack. Uh, and if that continues, then Chelsea will probably win games by low scoring margins. Uh, I watched every minute of that Champions League game against Red Bull Salzburg. Like, look, Salzburg were punching above their weight. Chelsea should have run them off the pitch. They didn't. I think it's going to take time for Graham Potter. I agree with everything that you said, but I just think it's going to take time with, with this group from going from Tuchel ball to, to Potter ball. And I'm not sure if he has the complete squad yet. And a lot of these players that he has were away on international duty. He hasn't, you know, Diego Silva, Reese James, Mason Mount, Kovacic. Like you, you look through this squad, how much time has Potter had to work with this group coming out of the international break as well. And the one thing I know about this Palace side, they, they can score on the counter-attack. They have so many good players that, that play in transition really well, but I do have my reservations about them defensively. No play for me. I had a small lean to both teams t- to score at minus 112, and that's about it. Because I just want to see how quickly this Chelsea team can come together under Graham Potter. And that's a big unknown. I have a big question because I've not been impressed about anything I've seen from Chelsea all season long. Just look them, they look unbalanced, Jake. Like just the way that they play. Like there's no fluidity, there's no identity. And that takes time to establish. Yeah, it does. You're right. Um, you're right to be a little bit wary. I guess I'm I'm that high on Graham Potter that I think he can do it in a, a short space of time. Um, yeah. yeah, I think the the cancellations 
pre-international break probably helped him give him a, a week, week and a half maybe to sort of start that bedding in process. He has a couple of players there that I think suit. Obviously, Kukure has come from Brighton already, so he knows the system quite well. Um, they, they used to play in the back three, which is generally what Potter likes playing. So from a defensive standpoint, there's little he needs to do there in terms of uh, getting him around there. It's just generally the forward areas and, and the sort of nuances that Brighton play with. And, and the fact that generally when they play a, a back three, it is literally a three and, and a holding midfielder and everyone else is attacking. Whereas under Tuchel, it seemed most of the time it was almost six defenders and four attackers. Um, so yeah, it'd be, it, I agree with you. I think it'd be interesting to see how it progresses. I think this is a decent game for them to start off though. Uh, let's move on to Graham Potter's former side, Brighton. They travel to Anfield to take on Liverpool. Brighton were great. They just haven't played a new game, and this is going to be the first game under the new manager, Roberto De Zerbi. Uh, they have the fourth best expected goal differential in the Premier League. Brighton do at plus 5.8. Uh, as for Liverpool, only Manchester City have a better expected goals than them. Liverpool 14.3, and they played six games. They haven't even played the seven games. Robertson and Cunate at time of taping are getting close to play, but Keita is out. Head-to-head Liverpool, the first to score against Brighton in nine of their last 10, uh, 10 games. In this fixture, it finished 2-2 last season. Uh, Liverpool have only had one win against Brighton in the last four games against them. Uh, overall, Liverpool have gone over the goal total of two and a half and five of six. Both teams to score in six of eight. It's those defensive question marks that have come into play, but they are coming off a goalless draw against Everton, but it was way back on September 3rd for whatever that's worth. Brighton are coming off a 5-2 victory over Leicester City last time out. Uh, you have the relative unknown with the new manager with Brighton. Liverpool, you're just waiting to see them turn into the best version of themselves. Uh, what do you make ahead of this one here? I, I think this is a, a really good game for Deserby to start with. Um, it's a free hit, isn't it? It's, you know, he's not expected to go there, get a result. If Potter was the coach, I think that would be different. I think people would probably expect Brighton to put on a decent performance and maybe get a, a draw. But Deserby's going there now with a yeah, free hit. No one's expecting them to do anything because, like you said, there's going to be transitions um, from styles, etc. Um, and Liverpool, as you said, they've looked vulnerable. I mean, they've not played a Premier League game for nearly a month. In that time, we've watched them in what has been a completely disastrous Champions League game at Napoli um, and then an excellent home display against Ajax. So, um yeah, that what we're going to get from them is is still up in the air, really, because they are going through a small transition themselves. They're going through a mini injury crisis. Um, so, yeah, serious question marks around them defensively. But as you mentioned there, going forward, they continue to create chances. They're racking up chance after chance, 2.4 expected goals four per game this season. Um, so while there's you know there's a few teething issues here or there, uh, they're still packing a punch when when they when they play. They're still carving teams open and, and generating the opportunities. Um, and yeah, I, like I said, it's it's a free hit for Deserby and Brighton. Um, he's an expansive coach who plays in attacking manner. So I think that again, goals are probably on the cards. I think both teams to score is is the play. Uh, minus 107 currently on Pinnacle, which that looks a very juicy price to me, um, given everything we've seen from Brighton, even under Potter, who's perhaps a more cautious coach than, than Deserby. So yeah, I really like both teams to score in this one. Yeah, uh, I'm looking at the goal totals and I have been red hot in terms of totals all season long. And that's where I'm going to go over three goals at plus 102. Liverpool scoring at Anfield. It's, it's a no-brainer. Um, Darwin Nunez scored over the international break as well. Um, I'm looking for him to find a run of form in the team. He's had some glaring misses. Um, that's not something that will last based upon his, uh, you know, the, the history of his play. 
And Brighton can, can score goals as well in this team. I mean, McAllister, Trossard, these players are on fantastic form. And you said it, does Zerbe's play? It's attack-minded. It's about pushing forward and trying to expose weaknesses uh, in, in the opposition's back line. So I'm going over three at plus 102. Seems a decent number for me. If there's three goals, it's a push. That's fine. I'm willing to put money on that number. Yeah, I think we're on the same lines there. Just a really entertaining game of football. Yeah. Uh, moving on, Fulham and Newcastle. Um, Polina is uh, suspended for this one. Incredibly, he's already picked up five cautions already. Like the season's already started. Good. For I don't him. know if That's... you noticed, but the, it seems like there was a little mini uh, battle going on between him and Bournemouth's right back Adam Smith because both of them were have raced to four and five cards respectively. <laughs> so it's like who's going to get suspended first? Well, Polina wins that award. Yeah. Uh, Fulham. I mean, it was such a good second half for them in a comfort behind three-two victory against Nottingham Forest last time out. Newcastle played to a 1-1 draw with Bournemouth. Bournemouth are just stubborn defensively. Frustrated them. Back-to-back draws. Newcastle's come away with a lot of draws to start the season. The previous one was a goalless draw against Palace, but they had an XG in that game of 4.17. Head-to-head, these two sides have played to less than two and a half goals in seven of their last nine games. Fulham without a clean sheet in three. Newcastle haven't lost to Fulham in their last four. Fulham overall, both teams to score five of six, haven't had a clean sheet in their last six games, and have gone over the two and a half goal total thanks to Alexander Mitrovic both for club and country right now (laughs) he's absolutely bossing it five of six Castle both teams have scored five of six but haven't won in their last four games it's an intriguing tie here I'm going to hand things off to you because I have absolutely no feel and no play for this game Uh, perhaps you do Jake yeah, uh, that last little uh, little bite soundbite you said there in terms of the Fulham goal totals, I think this is worth going in again over two and a half. It's landed in six of seven. You've got Mitrovic who's on fire. You mentioned there Polinio who's missing, who generally is the sort of one of the more defensive-minded players on the pitch. Without him there, that opens them up even more uh, defensively to to be exposed. Um, and yeah, the... You know, the, 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 I was surprised about the price, to be honest. You're getting minus 107 for over two and a half goals. I'd have that a little bit shorter. Um, just given what we've seen from Fulham so far, because I think I said it pre pre season, uh, Marco Silva is a very attacking manager. Um, we saw that in the in the Championship when he obviously they were scoring pretty much seven every week, um, and they've carried that on in the Premier League. They're averaging one point four expected goals four per game. No problem in, in forward areas when you've got creating chances like that. Mitrovic is going to score plenty of goals, but major defensive vulnerabilities. Nearly two expected goals against per game conceded, so it means that they're a very good team to watch and. Newcastle will, you know, they, they've got some real attacking firepower of their own, haven't they, to, to sort of put Fulham to the sword. Callum Wilson is set to be fit. It's not 100% confirmed, but um, I've been reading that he is in a good place. And well, they need him with Alexander Isak, Alexander Isak out um, yep. for Newcastle. That's, I worry, he's a true X factor in that team. And the status of Alex. Uh, or, or say maximum um, at the time of taping, it's not known at present time. Looked like he was going to come back for the international break, but he did not. And it seems like whether it's Isak or St. Maximum, like these are the two players that are game breakers for them. And without them, I love their processes. I actually really like the way that Newcastle are playing under Eddie Howe. I think it's really, um, it, it's watchable. Um, it's it's it, it's a team that plays on the front foot. It's just whether or not they have the finish. And with no Isak, um, I've, I've, I have some questions about that. Yeah, I, I personally don't. I think Isak's a good player. I think he it'll be either him or Wilson that plays in the um, 
well, when everyone's fit in the in the starting eleven, um, unless Isak plays out wide right, maybe, but then you're missing out on Almiron's direction uh, running. So yeah, I, I've got no problems with him, and, and it sounds as though Bruno Gimresh is going to be fit for this as well, yeah. um, which is another massive boost because he's a fantastic box to box midfielder. Um, so yeah, I, I think that Fulham's defensive issues will be exposed by Newcastle. Newcastle themselves. Um, I've got question marks around them, particularly away from home. So since Eddie Howe was appointed, they've averaged uh, 1.87 expected goals against per game. So they've shipped a lot of chances on a regular basis. Um, and that, that should mean that Mitrovic and Fulham can add to their tally. So I, I think this is going to be a really entertaining game and, and the overs just stood out to me as, as a bet. Yeah, it's it's a fair shout. I do not trust Fulham defensively. No matter what your play on Pinnacle, um, Fulham uh, a home underdog plus two eighteen plus two fifty one for the draw plus one thirty six for an away win for Newcastle. I think you can make the case for any one of those plays. Those are some decent numbers. So uh, keep your eye on terms of who's available or who might not be available for the respective sides, and it might lead you in one of those directions. Yeah, I think we're, we can expect a good game no matter what, no matter who yeah. plays. And I think it's going to open itself up even more, like I said, because Palinia's out and, and he's generally the anchor. So, um, yeah, a really, really good game. Two attack-minded teams. And, and it's great to see that the teams, you know, they're expected to finish near the bottom or maybe slightly mid-table are just, are just going for it. You know, yeah. one of the days of like a, even Nottingham Forest who are, you know, near bottom of the table are pretty much getting beat three to every week being really fun to watch. So it seems like that's the Everton way now and or, or wolves. Yeah. And that's about <laughs> it. Other than that, everyone's True. kind of yeah. playing or in Bournemouth. I should can't forget them as well. Um, so it's a pass for me on that match. Definitely not a pass. It's the Manchester Derby, Man City, Manchester United. It's a game upcoming on Sunday. Um, between these two sides, I mean, it was completely one-sided last season. City absolutely smashed uh, United both times, 4-1, 2-0. It, to, to be honest, both those score lines, like, actually should have been more in favor of City. That's how much they outplayed Manchester United. But in the four previous games in the Premier League, uh, City didn't beat Manchester United. In fact, United beat City three of the last four times previous to last season in the Premier League. It's Erling Holland's world, and we're just living in it. 11 goals in seven games. He's averaging an XG courtesy of InfoGoal per game of 1.19. City are coming off an impressive dismantling. It was like a walk in the park for them, a 3-0 victory at Spurs. United, seems like ages ago, a 3-1 win at Arsenal. City have won three games in a row. No losses in their last 10. Have gone over the goal total of two and a half and eight of nine. First to score an eight of 10. United, the opposite, less than two and a half goals in four of five. But they have been first to score in five of their last six. There are some questions about Marcus Rashford. It does sound like he's recovering and he will be available in some capacity this weekend. For Man City, Laporte is back training, but he hasn't played in a while. We'll see on that. Phillips and Stones, they are both out for this game. City, uh, unsurprisingly, Jake, a favorite, minus 270 for for a home win, plus 491 for the draw, plus 690 for an away win for Manchester United. Uh, Look, it's tough for any side to run with City, but it's a good prove-it-to-me moment for Manchester United this Sunday, they need to show that they can play against the best of the best with this new group that looks more robust and more defensively sound under Eric Ten Hag. Uh, where are you going with the, with this game? Are, are, are City deserved to be that much of a favorite heading into this one? 
Definitely, yeah. Um, particularly at the Etihad. If this was at Old Trafford, I'd maybe have a few more um, good feelings around Manchester United's chances, but I, I don't really give them much of a chance this weekend. I just think that the way in which City are playing um, and ultimately the way in which United will probably play and set up could lead to a, um, a very comfortable home win. You know, the, we've seen under Ten Hag, particularly again in the games against the better teams like to Liverpool and Arsenal, that they have been front foot, they have been fairly open, they've created chances, but also looked vulnerable defensively. Uh, and if they play in the same manner, then I don't think that ends very well for them. You know, having said all that, you kind of don't want them to change that style because, you know, like we've said before, it's a philosophy, it's a system. Um, and, you know, it's one of those you don't see Pep and Klopp changing their systems and philosophies for anybody so if Man United are to continue their progression then you kind of want them to to stick with uh, the current plan and, and hope that it, it reaps rewards I think they'll score um, I think they'll get on the score sheet and they've got enough in forward areas to trouble City um, it's a City back line that I I think it's, it's obviously it's, it's the weakest part of their team the forward line at the moment is absolutely on fire the midfield has got so much creativity and, uh, and imagination uh, the back line you know they're, they're fantastic obviously and, and they do contribute a lot to the attacking play the likes of Cancelo he's more of a, of a winger than a wing back isn't he but um, yeah I think that United can score just think both teams to score is, is the only play in this that, that piques the interest. Minus 121, so it's perhaps a little bit short for some, but I'd probably make it a little bit shorter uh, than that. Um, City will score at least once. I think they'll probably score two, maybe three, uh, win the game 3-1. But United, they, they've improved in those forward areas after what was a really sluggish start. Um, and, you know, you're throwing Anthony to the mix, um, who's obviously only had a small taste of, of action for Man United at the moment. Then... It all of a sudden starts to become a little bit more dangerous and um, particularly if they do get opportunities to shift the ball quickly through the transitions then players like him Sancho uh, if Rashford's fit Bruno Fernandes with the directness they, they can cause problems so I think both teams to score is is, is my main selection in this and um, yeah United will they'll, they'll, they'll push City this is this this is City's toughest game to date of this season, and I guess it's a bit of a litmus test for both teams, isn't it? Because everyone's in the mind has, has got City kind of running away with the league. Um, I know I certainly have. I think that the way in which they've played so far is conducive to them doing what they did a couple of years ago, winning it at, at a canter. Um, and likewise with United, you know, we, we saw them get absolutely battered the first two games of the season. They've bounced back really well. They've beaten two top four teams um, or two top four challenges. This is their big test now. Can they go to City and, and cause a major upset and really stamp their authority and, and show that they are in this race for the top four? Because let's not forget, if United go to City and win, then they're only two points behind City with a game in hand. And all of a sudden, everyone's opinions on United is going to change again. So... Um, yeah, I'm expecting a really good game, an entertaining game, uh, and I think we'll, we'll see goals again. It's my second favorite play of the week. I do have a play in this game, and it's United on the handicap plus a goal and a half at minus 101. It's like it's, it's almost even odds because I agree, City are the superior side, but I think United can keep it close. Six of the seven last time last times that these two sides played, they played the less than two and a half goals. I can kind of see things play out like that. United are finally settled at the back. You know it's going to be Delo, Varane, Martinez, who couldn't go 
off on international duty, by the way. Stuck back, did not play with Argentina um, and Malasia. And they, and they look like a well-organized group. And this is a game. This is why you brought Casemiro to the club. Um, to sit there, to read the play. He's going to be kind of the foil to Kevin De Bruyne in this game. De Bruyne and Bernardo Silva have absolutely destroyed United in recent games. And with Eriksen and Br- Bruno finding some good form right now, um, United can be a threat on the counterattack against the back line. No stones, potentially no Laporte. Um, there are some questions about the City back line. I agree with you on the goals aspect, but I think that United are good enough in their current form to at least keep this game within a goal. That's why I love, give me a goal and a half at almost even odds. I'll take that every day of the week in this derby. Yeah, you, you're a braver man than me, um, <laughs> particularly at the Etihad. I don't think I'd be too confident in uh, in, in City not overcoming two goals. Um, yeah, I, I personally have the scoreline at 3-1 for this for City. Um, I, I think that... Okay. Yeah, I've got, I've got them in for, I think, well, the Infocom model's got them in for 2.58 goals um, or expected goals pre-match. And yeah, I, I think that they could score two, three, maybe even four. Uh, and, you know, trying to stop Haaland is going to be the big challenge, isn't it? Because he's um, he's one of those players that it just it can hurt you from every angle, whether it's from a cross, whether it's from a running behind, whether it's from a shot from the box, um, as he showed against, was it uh, Wolves last time out? So yeah, that, that, that's that's the real test. And and. Yeah, that like you said, every 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 one of those Man City players currently is banging form as well. You know, De Bruyne, Bernardo, Foden, they look really sharp. Um, and they're they're firing on all cylinders early doors, which is something that usually takes City a while to get going. So um pleasant surprise, I think, for Pep to see them get going early. Maybe that was done yeah. by design. Maybe, maybe the because of the World Cup break, they thought they can't risk slowly building momentum and finding a high gear uh, later on. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I think City will win this quite comfortably. I, I think United, they've improved. They've still got a long way to go to, to keep this close, I think. And even Jack Grealish scored last time out against Wolves, uh, not just because I'm backing United in this one, I just hope that they're better defensively, so I don't have to hear about Lissandro Martinez's heights going up against early. I just can't. <laughs> I, I, I honestly, I, I, I can't deal with that. Uh, let's go rapid fire with the remaining five games this weekend: Bournemouth and Brentford. Bournemouth somehow have two wins and six goals, but have an expected goals of the season of three point four. I'm not sure that how that happened. <laughs> I'm still very high on Brentford, despite them being smashed by Arsenal. They have a 12.4 XG on the season as well. Uh, a Brentford win at plus 122 jumps off the page to me. I'm not sure about you, Jake. Yeah, yeah, that probably be my angle. Um, but yeah, it's a no bet for me on this one. I, I think Brentford are probably short enough. They're a team that I tend to only like back in when they're playing at home. Uh, their away form and process is really not not anything special. Um, and Bournemouth, they're, they're a very weird team at the moment, aren't they? Another team that I've put in the bracket of Crystal Palace in the sense that they've had such a difficult start to the season. Um, out the gate, they've played City, Arsenal, Liverpool back to back to back. Um, so yeah, they're... Yeah, they've beaten Forest and beaten Villa. Perhaps two team, two games they probably marked down as as winnable ones, um, and then a good couple of draws, I guess, against Newcastle and Wolves. So I'm still unsure of as to what to expect from Bournemouth. The the only certainty from Bournemouth is that they don't create a lot of chances and won't create a lot of chances. So their their games tend to be quite low scoring, um, unless it's their opponent that does all the goals, um, yeah. which has happened quite a lot. But yeah, so no bet for me on this one. 
big time backing Brentford in this one. Uh, no doubt about that. Uh, the under two and a half and minus 118. That's my play. Southampton and Everton. This game has a draw written all over it. If you like that, it's just the way that Everton plays right now. Head to head, they've gone less than two and a half goal total for their last five games as well when Southampton has played Everton. Is that your play? Is that what you're looking at? Or are you looking in another direction? Yeah, uh, it, again, it, it generally will be a no bet from me in this one. Uh, but if I was to lean, it would be the unders. I think that that's the the smart play in this one. Everton, they're not a very high scoring team, are they? they I think they've not. They failed. They've only scored once in. Uh, you know that's the highest goal total. They've not 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 hit multiple goals yet this season. Um, and defensively, less, than, less by the way, less than two and a half goals, six of six. Everton. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that's just a bit of icing on the cake there. And uh, yeah, uh, they, they're, they're a better defensive unit now than what they were at the start of the season, thanks to the transfers that they've made. But their attack is still looking very blunt without a, uh, a proper focal point. I know Morpai came in and scored, didn't he? But they're not really creating the chances at a, at a consistently high rate for me to get them on board, either in a match or on a goal total. Uh, I see. It just happens. I, I I like the numbers on these info uh, on these uh, on these rapid fire games than I like on our feature matches. It's just the way that it works. Same thing. West Ham and Wolves. 18th versus 19th. West Ham at 18th. Just haven't yeah, looked yeah. right. Um, when West Ham played Wolves again, it's just under the number. By the way, both expected courtesy of Info Goal. Like mid table, like eighth and ninth in the table. Yet they're way down at the bottom. I like the draw at plus two fifty seven, just because I don't think much separates these sides. Yeah, uh, I absolutely get on board with the draw. My, my best bet in this was just the unders under two and a half, slightly shorter price than what we've quoted before, minus one thirty three. But yeah, the the attacking struggles are very real for these two teams. Um, West Ham average just one point two expected goals for per game. Wolves at one point zero seven. That actually ranks them as the third and fourth worst attacking teams in the league so far. Um, defensively, Wolves obviously generally very very good at the back. They don't give up too much. Um, and West Ham have shown improvements after a slow start. So the last four games have allowed just zero point eight four expected goals against. So I can see this being a dual contest. I think the goalless draw is an absolute runner in this at a big price. Um, but yeah, I just thought unders, if you want a safe play, go the unders. I like the draw as well. I don't see much between these two. Uh, Leeds and Villa. A Villa all of a sudden have some problems at the back. Cash, Kamara in the midfield, Digne and Carlos remains a long-term absentee. Uh, that's difficult going up against an all-action lead side. Yep, yeah, Leeds win for me. Uh, plus 138, probably my second favourite bet of the week. Uh, really solid start for Leeds, been impressed, particularly with their performances at home. Um, they've been really swashbuckling at, at Ellen Road and that's resulted in good results, two wins and a draw and good performances in terms of XG as well. So 1.5 expected goals, four per game, one expected goal against per game. And that defensive process is something that we've seen um, that's been one of a real Achilles heel over the last couple of years. So to see that improve is huge. Villa, as you mentioned, major issues defensively uh, from an injury standpoint. And just away from home, they've been pathetic this season. They've lost all three matches to date. They've averaged just 0.6 expected goals for per game. So they're generating next to nothing in the sack. Uh, and defensively, they're, they're shipping over two expected goals against per game. Uh, and if those, if those levels are repeated, then it's going to be another defeat. And the biggest <clears throat> sort of problem that you've got is that those... Underlying numbers have come in matches against, all right, Arsenal, Bournemouth and Crystal Palace. Teams that pre-season, Villa, many people would have had Villa finishing above both of those teams. So the fact that they've, they've played so poorly and lost both of those games as well is, is a massive problem. So yeah, leads for me. 
No play for me, but I'm tempted by both teams to score plus over the two and a half goal total. It's only at plus 115. The odds were a little bit better. I'd be tempted. Both teams to score for Leeds, six of their last eight, Villa five of their last seven. But you dictated and you said the Villa away attacking numbers aren't great in terms of XG. So I'm just going to stay away. Finally, uh, Leicester, Nottingham Forest, Monday night football, um, a battle between relegation fodder. Who do you prefer? What Leicester's bringing to the table or the Nottingham Forest ragtag group of players just thrown together and given to Steve Cooper and say, figure it out? Uh, I prefer neither, to be honest. Um, <laughs> I think they're as bad as each other. The Yeah, the... I'm guessing your best, this is your best bet, isn't it, of the week? I think you're probably on similar lines to me in terms of looking for a high-scoring game. Um, I, I've got both teams to score in overs as, as my bet in this one, uh, at plus 107. They, they just These two are just absolutely tragic at the back at the moment. They, they're shipping chances left and right. Um, but at the same time, they, the scoring goals, you know, we saw Leicester, they shipped six last time out, didn't they, and, and scored twice. Forest shipped three and scored twice. Um, and yeah, they're, they're, they're two of the three worst defences in the entire Premier League so far this season. So um, I think that coupled with the fact that this is, as you said, 19th versus 20th, um, and it is a really big opportunity for one of these teams to get a win on the board. Um, I think that we'll see both teams going for it. So goals, goals, goals on Monday. I'm with you. Um, by the way, Leicester City and the overbet has been my most profitable play over the last year. Like seriously, that's the first thing I look at when the board comes out for the next week. Over three at plus 110. It is my bet of the week. Leicester City conceded the most goals in the Premier League 22. Nottingham Forest uh, at 17. They're the second worst. But Forest actually has a worst expected goals against at 14.3 on the season. But like you said, both teams look dangerous when they're playing attacking football. I think Leicester City, despite losing last time against Spurs, I think they shot Spurs in that game incredibly and still ended up shipping six. So Leicester City, an absolute nightmare defensively. Whenever I see the Foxes, I back the over. So over the goal total of three at plus 110. Both aligned on that one. I think Monday, just what a crescendo that is to the uh, to the, the weekend of football. It should be a cracker. Yeah. Uh, any? Do you want to reiterate what your best bet is, Jake? Yeah, my, my best bet. I was. I was very. I went early, didn't I, with the the over two point seven five goals in in the North London derby at one point nine four. There's quite a few I like. I, I do like the both teams scoring overs in Leicester, but I, I will stick my best bet down as that North London derby goals. Brilliant. Um, that's all for this week's episode. A reminder, check out our Premier League predictions articles, weekly La Liga predictions articles, all at pinnacle.com. NFL Insights is back at really good uh, week number three in the NFL. Eric Eager, Ben Brown will spin you through everything ahead of week four. Uh, plus now we have college football predictions at pinnacle.com slash betting resources. Follow along on Twitter at Pinnacle, at Pinnacle Sports on YouTube. Myself at Gareth Wheeler for Jake at Jake Oz, two Zs on Twitter as well. Odds are correct at the time of this recording. And a reminder, please gamble responsibly. Uh, welcome back, Jake. Let's hope that you're back with a bang. Good luck with your play this weekend. Likewise, um, I think we'll both be cheering on every goal that hits the net at the King Power, won't we? <laughs> it's more fun cheering for overs, and I have plenty to back this weekend <laughs> as well. For Jake, uh, I'm Wheels, and on behalf of everyone at Pinnacle, this has been EPL Insights with Data, supported by InfoGoal.